0: Be a pessimist, but if the commander isn't back soon with those reinforcements, my Padawan will be here. Faster, here, I'm here,
1: Caleb. Where are the reinforcements? Don't
0: worry, they're right behind me. Uh, where are they, Caleb? Trust me. Well, how many are there? Five of them. Five. Been done. Yeah, that's what I thought. But you gotta see these clones. They're different.
1: There are ten new Star Wars shows coming out in the next few years. This is the Star Wars binge, where we not only... Order and discuss the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. We also will have a fresh spin on the worthy content being released. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me in Chicago, Illinois. No! That's going to say. He moved!
0: That's a point of order. No longer in Chicago, Illinois.
1: Now in <laughs> Denver, Colorado, <laughs> is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast.
0: That is true. This is, this is the sound of my voice. In Denver, Colorado. You can hear the marijuana smoke in the background.
1: (laughs) I have realized that people are actually slightly better drivers now in Colorado in the last five (laughs) years because (laughs) nobody wants to get in trouble. And they're just a little bit more mellow about getting where they need to go.
0: Yeah. 10 and 2 at the speed limit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Daniel? Yes, sir. The Clone Wars... Is back. Yes, I realize that as we're going through the binge, you haven't actually gotten to the end of the Clone Wars, <laughs> and so you're you're getting it, you're getting the Pulp Fiction experience of this sucker.
0: <laughs> that's a perfect way to That's a perfect way to explain it. Yeah, I know what happens at the end, but also the beginning of the end. Right, we're all tracking. It makes perfect sense.
1: We have officially, according to the show, moved from the Clone Wars to a Civil War. Y- yes. First thing we read in the New Hope crawl is it's a time of civil war. And they, they set it up in their language here, and I just loved it.
0: Yeah, the, the beginnings of the civil war, we kind of get dropped into the middle of in A New Hope. That's it. Well, dear listener, we're going to talk about three big things. Daniel and I have come
1: with our lists of our top five things worth talking about, which we'll discuss. And then we'll close the episode um, talking about two big things. First, here are the chess pieces on the board that we all know are on the board that the show creators are grabbing hold of and moving and putting into this story. We're going to talk about the chess pieces. And second, we're just going to speculate. We're going to pull out our crystal ball and talk about all the possibilities <laughs> moving forward. So
0: uh, you ready to go with this? Let's do it. Daniel, what's your number five thing we're talking about? I love that they brought back some really great battle droid humor like that's a that's a thing i've really connected with through through watching the clone wars and and uh that first big battle with them there's just some great stellar bits of humor with them where it's it's just you know shouting hold your position as you get shoved out or off of a cliff So as that hold your position as, as the guy dies I thought was so good uh as they're as they're pushing the as they're pushing the tank off the cliff the, the thing opens the door looks at the guy and just goes hey stop that like those and the, and then finally the one guy who who sees his sees the commander get shot and he just goes oh I guess I'm in charge now I just thought like those were two those were three really stellar very hilarious battle droid uh moments for me
1: that aspect of this Universe of the galaxy of the Clone Wars. It just brings you right back in. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm super familiar. I'm very comfortable here. It's fresh material, but we know where we're at.
0: The familiarity <laughs> of those guys immediately sets up sets the place, like sets the scene and the place yep. of of where this story is. Like it begins in familiar territory.
1: I agree. Some of the that the droid humor is paralleled by the droids at the beginning. Really have. And it, not an advantage, but they're they, they appear strong, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um, that that first few moments of the show, it looks like looks like things are getting really tight for the for the clones and the and, and our two Jedi. Yep.
1: Yeah. I don't have anything else on Battle Droid humor. It's funny. I thought those were good lines though. It's funny. I'm starting with the intro as well. In the first forty seconds, I knew I was in good hands. It took me no time at all. Yeah. Uh, they obviously have the narrator doing the narrator thing, but they're bringing in some fresh imagery from uh, episode three. They're showing us stuff we've already seen, but they're animating it and making it fresh with the Clone Wars uh, animation style. Well,
0: and I thought just the last episode of the Clone Wars we have seen was the last arc in season seven that begins with the blood red clone wars logo and this starts with that and then immediately burns up to reveal the bad batch yep and it, it exactly like you said i feel like immediately showed you that you're in good hands but i also feel like immediately says this is something different like we're gonna we're gonna literally burn this down and tell a whole new story there will be elements you're familiar with so you enjoy it but let us tell you a new story yeah. And done so quickly and succinctly and, and masterfully.
1: Yeah. Moving forward. Alongside this, those those first couple minutes show a scene that many of us who have been longtime Star Wars animation fans have known exists and we've never gotten to see it. And it's the death of Deppa Bilaba, The character here, Kanan Jerris, who is identified as Caleb Doom here, later on when he's in Rebels, we'll go by the name Kanan. Um, but Caleb Doom, we haven't, we've only seen real br- briefly at the end of Clone Wars as a, as a young Padawan. And here, he's in full action. He's obviously young. And so when he's in danger, we kind of feel it as uh, here are professional soldiers trying to kill a kid. Right. <laughs> we get to see the death of his teacher. And it feels like a mother who is sacrificing herself for the sake of her kid. Oh, absolutely. But that image of your parents die and then you go into hiding or you're on the run, man, we could probably name a, a handful of great characters who have that story, yeah?
0: I mean, Superman. Got some
1: Superman at the beginning here. Yeah. It's Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. We're all losing some, some parents. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, but... I, I suppose when Anakin Skywalker is going to lose his mom there early on.
0: Yeah, but there's a... This feels like a specifically sacrificial thing. Yeah. Thomas and Martha Wayne, Ben Parker, and these other characters—they are—they are just murdered tragically. Yeah. There's not necessarily a sacrificial element there. There's there's a they're just taken. Whereas this is specifically like I am choosing in order to protect this child or child esque relationship. I am gonna sacrifice myself.
1: Yep. So that you can get away.
0: Which actually feels very like. I mean Obi-Wan okay. Kenobi want to keep it in universe like he he does it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful trope that they're bringing in. It's all over Star Wars, it's all over all these other great fantasies and mythologies and here it is.
0: Gandalf, you know, sacrifices himself to the Balrog so so the the rest yep. of the fellowship can get away.
1: The wrinkle here is the bad batch. I got hyped up
0: same here. <laughs> when they, when...
1: Caleb says there's there's just five clones and I are obviously I know what show I'm watching but it's it was done with such a clever move to have him slide down say that the music kicks in and then you just see them do their thing the 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 Bad Batch comes in and just starts wrecking droids. And at first,
0: all you see is kind of the trees rumbling, which, which is such a such a great yeah. Star Wars uh, echo, anyways, of, of all the times trees have rumbled and and walkers and Imperial forces have f- lumbered out of the woods. This time, it's just these five guys and yeah. a and a boulder. <laughs>
1: there's some Jurassic park going on there yeah. where you just see the, the movement of the, the foliage as it were. And, yeah. and, and then they're coming.
0: And then it's, it's all of the Lucas Spielberg properties. Cause the giant rolling boulder, it's just, they're, they're just keeping it all in house.
1: There's, and I want to talk about Hunter later, but there was a Hunter line that was a, another throwback to Indiana Jones. And it was where Caleb doom had hurtled the, the gorge. And Crosshair is running down, and Hunter looks at Crosshair.
0: Where's the Jedi? I stunned him when he jumped. He didn't make it.
1: And there's, there. It reminded me of that scene in Raiders, where the the boat captain turns to the Nazis and says, "I killed him. He's not. He's of no use to us." And then he kind of turns the the evildoers' attention elsewhere. And there's something about the character of Hunter that comes out I th- I think it's r- it's really well done and it's very subtle in terms of how he's protective of the of Caleb at the beginning and that creates a huge problem for him and his team you know throughout the episode but there's some there's some inner stuff going on for that for Hunter and his character as a leader and I'm super interested we'll talk more about this but uh, that was, that I found that was just great introductory storytelling that was just real subtle.
0: Yeah, me. it it sets him up. I, I I noticed several things about Hunter as well. It just I feel like it sets him up, obviously as the leader right away. He he clearly is the leader of this group. But it also it also just shows that he's he's got a he's got heart. I guess which feels like a very reductive way to explain it. But like he's not just willing to follow orders for the sake of following orders. If something feels wrong to him, such as murder this kid. Yeah, the the struggle there is is done so well.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Boom. Well, what's your number four? Actually, my point number four I will make based off of what I just said. You can so clearly see the inner thoughts and monologues of these characters. Um. So my number four is the animation of this is just breathtakingly beautiful. Like it's it's yep. it feels like what we remember from the Clone Wars and the other series, but it's I feel like it's. It's just been perfected, and it's, it's artwork, and it's just so good to watch. It tells the story and makes the characters come alive so phenomenally.
1: I agree. My hope is sky high on this front that it's not as expensive to create these kind of shows, and yet they have dozens of great storytellers who just want to get into Star Wars and tell some Star Wars stories at this quality. And man, I'm all in. Just yep. all you know, do you want to double my Disney Plus subscription <laughs> funds to make this go? I'm I'm let's let's go. Yeah, charge me the, the Star Wars premium or whatever. But
0: <laughs> Netflix charges us more and gives us absolutely no additional perks. So if Disney <laughs> Plus wanted to charge us more, but give us more stuff, I'm all about that.
1: But I agree. It's especially those first five minutes, it, it felt like they spent a lot of extra time really wanting to get the details clean oh yeah and it's just gorgeous
0: yeah just just really just a really beautiful to look at show like there were moments where I had to kind of back it up because I was just getting lost looking at everything that was happening and realizing I was missing dialogue because I was like wow look at the way they did the costumes and the the characters and and even the scenery and settings and and set dressing it's like this is this is a good looking
1: show Agreed. Well, my number four thing we're talking about is the turn of crosshair. Mm. I love that they had the opportunity to set up these characters in season seven of the Clone Wars. You know who they are and they just turn this character immediately, you know, and have it's not just, you know, throwing something in from the side. As we talked about in our pregame episode. All of these characters have the inhibitor chip, yeah. Somehow, you know, and how are they going to play that out? And they clearly did, and making it this just one of the five. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a great move.
0: Yeah. Um, instantly creates tension and and conflict. Yeah. That was done so well. That was one of my big questions when we did the prediction episode was, oh, hey, does the Bad Batch have the inhibitor chips? Did they put those in there? Did they want to waste technology and... With, within moments, that question was answered. Like, well, it is, but it doesn't really work well, and that's probably what's happening here. How come Echo doesn't have the? Oh, well, he's basically great callback line. He's more machine now than man. That's why his does. They just they just did it so well, yep. and it didn't feel forced. Like they had to come up with a reason. It felt so organic, and it was done so well. And I I I I cheered a little when when that answer was given because I was like, that was the thing I wanted to know. <laughs>
1: The, the turn with Crosshair that I wanted to talk to you about was, we, we mentioned teams
0: mm-hmm.
1: of soldiers, warriors, protecting a single female. Yeah. Um, that happens in New Hope. We talked about Ninja Turtles. We took, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. One of the teams that I hadn't thought of was from Schwarzenegger's Predator movie. And there is a ton of Predator imagery with this character. The heat vision is is the obv- is obvious. Uh, there's some jungle settings, yeah. You know, at times, and it's the team of very skilled warriors, and that's what you see at the beginning of Predator, mm-hmm. who are the hunters. One of these characters is named Hunter, but then suddenly he's the hunted. And what happens when there's a turn of that sort? And and I, I love that imagery, that kind of trope being brought in here. That's what I read into the crosshair character. He's obviously a very unique villain, as it were. felt felt a lot like the, the T-1000 mm. in the second Terminator movie in terms of just very skinny white guy ha, <laughs> who, ha, who, who ha. can probably move and has more of an assassin mindset. You know, a lot of villains are, are I'm, gonna, I'm gonna destroy you, but this is a very, the precision villain. Yeah,
0: tactical. I mean, well, he's a sniper. So, I mean, just that, yep. that hyper focus, that precision instrument thing, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: And I suppose to go back to Predator, that's a lot of the Predator movie. That first movie ends up being the Predator as a sniper. He's got the, you know, he's got the laser sighting on it and it's blowing holes in yeah future, future governors of Minnesota.
0: You mean California?
1: There, there are two governors in that
0: movie. Oh, is Jesse Ventura in that? He, that's right. That's right.
1: I would quote some, some Ventura on on this, but all of his lines are are, are are really unacceptable in 2020. Yeah.
0: Do you mean Jesse Ventura or Jesse Ventura's character? Because either way, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty similar problems. <laughs> the crosshair turn I thought was done really well because up until that moment my only quote-unquote complaint was with him. I was like, okay, you've created these four guys and they're all really dynamic mm-hmm. and they're all really, really interesting. And I was finding myself getting slightly uninterested with the crosshair character because all he was doing was kind of pouting and being like, good soldiers follow orders. I'm like, okay, great. Not a lot mm-hmm. going on here. But then the minute Omega sits down to him and says, I know what you're going to do. Mm. Don't do it. And then he does it anyway. I just I was like, ooh, okay, now i'm interested in this
1: oh i I can see why you go there i had the opposite reaction i was really surprised that they didn't just break up the team immediately the team was together there for half an hour you know Mm -hmm. still doing their thing and they were still at odds with each other there was still confusion and disagreement and tension but they continued to to work together even through that I, i was into that
0: I, I was too, like the whole dynamic really worked for me. It was just some of the specific moments where the only things that were, were given to this character to do were complain and say, I don't like this.
1: Yeah. No, I, I hear you on that front.
0: But from the, from the general storytelling standpoint, it worked really well having the, 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 the it was like they slowly raised up the, the temperature and the water, for the character of 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 uh, for his character, so he doesn't like that he's that hunter is clearly lying about saving the kid. And that bothers him, but he kind of shoves that down. yeah, he doesn't like how they handled the thing on the planet with Sagarera and those guys. and then he he doesn't like that they went back for the kid. So just getting him to that point of leaving, I thought that worked really well. And that's when it started to get really interesting for me.
1: agreed. I never doubt the motive of the villains in this storytelling. The storytelling that's taking place during this time period. I think they established the 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 motives of, of Tarkin, of all the clones, here with crosshair. Very clean. I know exactly what their motive is and it makes in all the sense in the world given their background.
0: Oh yeah. Bang. What's your number three? My number three is uh, I really maybe it's just because of what the last several years have looked like but the the willingness to go just steer into and i believe we we talked about the f word in our in our prediction yep. episode but that willingness to steer into what fascism looks like and how yep. it begins and and how the people who kind of question it and don't seem to buy into it seem to just get immediately eaten up and, and how some people who maybe wouldn't right away agree with it, but are like, well, I guess good soldiers follow orders and they align yep. with the, th- I just never felt heavy handed. It just felt like it was, it was upsetting to watch, but you're like, yeah, I, I can see how that can happen. And it just, the, the bravery of Disney to do that.
1: Yep. They used one word that popped for me and I rewound it and I was just like, there it is. And it's the word loyalty. Mm-hmm. They had, they had, Tarkin coming in, talking to the Khameneans. Let us see where the loyalty
0: of these clones truly lies.
1: And this is the make or break point. You are loyal to us. And if you say, yes, I'm loyal, then I have you for the rest of time. If you say, no, I'm not loyal, then I'll destroy you right now. And that's how fascism works. Yeah. That's how the mob mentality of anything that is, has that authoritarian autocratic foundation works.
0: Yeah. And just the, the confidence at which Tarkin breezes around through the halls and, um, when they're talking about contracts and payments and, and everything else with, with, uh, the prime minister and how he was like, well, those contracts were technically with this old thing, yep. not this new thing anymore. And, uh, The thing I said was, oh, how interesting. Morally questionable leadership refusing to pay for services and honor contracts is uh, ironic.
1: I'm changing the deal. Pray I don't change it anymore. Yeah. But I hear where you're... I hear where you're going there
0: <laughs> well I mean I it's a, it's pointed but also it is you're absolutely right that is the thing right like it's these people insist that you must follow obey follow the rules be loyal be loyal be loyal until the rules yep. don't work and then they start to change the rules and then when those rules yes. don't work start to not work they just start to lie
1: yep that's exactly how fascism works and when there isn't uh, when fasci- fascism isn't obedient to the truth the truth is whatever, our glorious leader says the truth is, and that may change depending on our glorious leader's mood. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good until it isn't. And we, we go the complete opposite way because the glorious leader said so. Yeah. You see this actually a good example of this historically is, is Mao's China. Mm. Um, Everything that happens in the sixties is almost an utter reversal of Mao's revolution before they, they, he almost takes like the diametrically opposite kind of views on things. It's anyway, it's autocrats, man.
0: And just showing how quickly, just showing how quickly it can happen too.
1: Yes. And it's, it's all dominoes. Yeah. Once you get the toehold, once you, once the autocrat gets the toehold and then begins to leverage it and begins to break down systems, I mean that's it. You need courageous people to say, "Here is how reality works. Here is what is good and right." That's why Omega ends up being a fantastic image of that. She is both wise, informed, insightful, and yet youthfully kind of naive. I, uh, uh, she she has goodness goodness of heart. I should actually say.
0: Yeah, and very innocent.
1: Yeah. Well, to to build on your number three, I, my my three was. I love Tarkin's heartless villainy Mm-hmm. just displayed perfectly use live rounds increase the mental pressure. You know, what did he say? Uh, Can you
0: intensify the programming?
1: Yes. Then proceed. Yeah. Shut down the clones. They're too expensive. And then he's, he's pulling out dark troopers. Let's see if these guys actually have what it takes. If, We kill them, fine. They didn't have what it takes. If they survive, then I know that I have legit weapons to use as I see fit because that's entirely who Tarkin is. He loves using weapons to get his way.
0: But then even kind of saying, well, these weapons really worked well, but I also am concerned about this inability to follow the rules that they have, you know, the rules that I change all the time to suit my purpose. So it's, mm-hmm. it was like he saw what he wanted to see, but then also saw that he was right in thinking perhaps they could be problems down the road. So, I mean, he's just, yeah, it's, the, there was a scene where he's talking to the prime minister of, uh, of Camino and, who who in the Clone Wars I feel like is set up to be kind of morally ambiguous and and not super interested in doing the right thing. And there's moments where, mm-hmm. where Tarkin is saying things that even this guy is like, wait a minute, that is wrong. It's like, wow, okay, this guy, right. Tarkin is so evil. All of these other characters who have shown they're not interested in playing by the rules or being kind, they're questioning him and being like, I think this guy's, this guy might be a little crazy. Yeah,
1: I think the Se character there, the Khamenean, uh male, is quickly understanding that his bank account's going to be evaporated here soon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, uh, my golden goose just just died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and, uh, yeah. You know, and, gonna have to gonna have to find a new trade, right?
1: To circle back and maybe to wrap up both these. It was the use of the Imperial probe droid as kind of the spy, the, um, I don't know what you would call this in fascist circles, but it's the gainer of information that is quickly utilized by the autocrat to, you know, to dominate. Like I'm finding out all the secrets and destroying all potential enemies and that was the use of the probe droid. It's not how the probe droids used in *Empire Strikes Back*. We're just looking for Luke, and you know, I'm trying to find people. But here, it felt much more like 20th century.
0: Yeah, it it was more it was more sinister as opposed to tactical.
1: That's a that's a good way to put it.
0: Boom. What's your number two? My number two is one of the things I said I was excited for when we recorded our predictions episode was I just and we we've mentioned it already but I was just excited and hopeful that this this series would feel fun like it can have yeah. it can have the dark things that Star Wars and great storytelling always has I just wanted to watch a fun Star Wars series and this yeah. had so much it had explosions it had you know good droid humor it had wonderful characters it had a food fight like it it was just it had a food fight. <laughs> it just felt like, yeah, this is fun. This is an adventure series.
1: I agree. The The character that embodied that for me the most is Wrecker. Yep. Who routinely comes in as the Shakespearean humor from the fool on the side. You know, I'm sure that they're setting us up. This might push into our crystal ball section, but I feel like they're setting us up for some heartbreak with Wrecker here. At some point, because we're gonna love this guy who's always cracking jokes, and it just seems like he's a mountain of a man who couldn't possibly be hurt. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> yeah, just saying. But it is, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The food fight, they they went one layer with the food fight, and then I was like, okay, this is fun. But then they went a second, and then a third layer, and then I was like, wonderful. That's exactly what they should have done. Yep, they needed to push this a little harder. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. It was, it was, it was. She starts it, another one of them gets involved, and then they all get involved. Like it just. Yep. And it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was just fun. It just, it feels like, and it going on an adventure, and I, and I really enjoyed that. I did, I did also like you, you, you mentioned wrecker. The the sort of I'm not a I'm not programmed as a machine like everybody else is I'm an individual person moment with him at that mm-hmm. table um, I really enjoyed had some almost kind of had some Guardians of the Galaxy Rocket Raccoon kind of screaming about mm-hmm. his programming and um, <laughs> what he is and how he didn't want to be some of these other things I just thought that was a, that was a great yeah. uh, for a character that could easily be and Hulk Smash they they did some really interesting things with him. <laughs>
1: There's a scene which you'll be familiar with in Spielberg's hook where they unveil a lot of who their character is with the food fight. Yeah. And that's what I read into the Omega. Yeah. They're actually showing you, not telling you they're showing you who she is. She's got guts. Yeah. She has grown up among soldiers her whole life as a very unique individual in that environment, but she's wise to how the clones work and isn't intimidated at all. And so when she sticks out her chest and is throwing food, that's, she's not naive in that scene. She knows exactly who she is and what she's doing. And her emotional intelligence is going to be her superpower, Mm -hmm. which, which was in that crosshair scene. I don't know how far they're going to go. Like her, is she an empath where she like has that mutant power to really read people's emotions. Um, does she have some force abilities where she's actually able to see some of the future? It felt like there was some, some of that going on with this character and in the food fight, it's like, I know that these men will come to my aid, to my rescue, will will stand beside me. And if they do, then I don't need to worry about anything.
0: You know what I mean? I, I agree, and I, and, and I do know. I, I also felt like her willingness to begin that fight was because she knew that the people who she was choosing to sit with deserved to be treated better. So oh, it, it wasn't even yep. like, a, I'm going to start a fight because I know I got backup. It's, I'm going to start a fight because I ideally I know that what you did was unkind and wrong and you should apologize. That's not how you should treat people. Like just her her willingness to, she's so little compared to all these soldiers, but her willingness just to be like, what just happened was bad and it deserves to be called out as such.
1: You're exactly right. I only got a chance to watch this once prior to recording (sighs) and you're exactly right. As you said that, I'm like, yeah, that was her motive. And that's again, it's showing you her character. Absolutely. Dead opposite of... (laughs)
0: Yeah, very true. Very true. Great uh, great vocal performance on her as well, I thought, too, on on that character.
1: I didn't look up the voice performance, but I love the really thick, kind of over-the-top Aussie accent.
0: Uh, Michelle Ang is that woman's name, and she is actually... Uh, she is actually—that is her real New Zealand accent. Like it's not—it's not put on. I listen—I listened to a really quick five-minute interview with her, and uh, and she was talking, and that is—that is her actual accent.
1: So I don't know if they're going to do this, but the thing that hit me, and I really wanted—I'm—I'm I'm glad that this gets brought up because I didn't know where else to put it. They occasionally put in some bagpipe music in the show. I don't know if you caught this. There was a couple notes. Oh, no. That hit in these places where it was like there's a rebellion. I assume you know the
0: punishment for treason. Treason? Throw them in the bridge.
1: Thinking was kind of brave. It it brings up some Braveheart, right? Yeah. But here's the thing about like this: when you add the Scottish accent or the Irish accent, especially when it's really thick, into British films, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like her Aussie accent was was so thick, it was almost like she was outside of you know the normal social order, the high high order. She was, she's not the bourgeois, you know how that works? Yeah. Mean, they, they, they're doing this in the nevers with one of their characters. You know, they do it in lots of films where you have the thicker accent just shows that you're, yeah. you're a rural person. You know, you're not part of the social elite if you have a thick accent and that's, it feels like that's part of her that's underneath the surface. Oh,
0: well, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Sh- I, I just took it at face value, especially having, uh, listened to the actress speak. I'm like, Oh, that's just, she's just from New Zealand and that's the way she talks. But, um, <laughs> who knows? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Kiwis showing up in the Star Wars universe as right? of late. Her, Taika Waititi, um, I'm forgetting the actor's name who, who played Django Fett and has gone on to play Boba Fett. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, that's a great accent.
1: My number two, was my emotional connection to the clones. I was not expecting... I, we've obviously seen The Siege of Mandalore, but I wasn't expecting to have as much energy pouring into the normal, everyday clones as I did. And it really came out when we landed in Camino, and there's two Shinies who are carrying a stretcher with a blanket over it, and a hand falls out, and there was a lightsaber in the hand hand, and it drops to the floor and they just keep going. Yeah. And the imagery of the clones being so interested in these shows for, for the last decade, moving them into that space in my heart and mind, it was just, it was routinely unsettling and shocking and a betrayal in some ways. And I know that that's obviously what they're going for. And it just worked for me in terms of they got me. They got me there. Yeah, uh, immediately.
0: Yeah, um, I had a similar moment like that right at the beginning when we see another execution of Order Sixty Six. Mm-hmm. I don't really know who. I didn't really know that character or her Padawan. Like I have no. I have no real basis to be as invested in as I did. But for whatever reason, yeah. the way they did it. You, I knew it was going to happen, and and once it's, once it started happening, it just bothered me. I'm like, this is so wrong. Uh, obviously, right? Like, it's 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 yeah. it's it's a it's a mass it's a mass murder. But, um, in one of the episodes we did with T J, we talked about how in episode three when we see uh, Order sixty six being executed, it's just a bunch of Jedi that we don't really have any connection to, and it's not. There's no emotional skin in the game with it. Yep. Because we don't know him. And, I, and, and that was my thinking going into this. But watching this moment, I just thought to myself, I don't know who this is, but this is yep. done so well and it's so clearly evil and wrong. I am I am emotionally affected by that. As well as, yeah, yeah right on with the lightsaber thing too. That, that hit me.
1: And I agree. I know nothing about Depa Billaba aside from who she is in the life of a character that becomes really important. And I suppose maybe that... Part of that, I read, I did read that in. The first time I watched it, I read in the story that I know that, um, that Kanan ends up telling about her and, his, and her influence in his life. Tell me,
0: Jedi, how did you survive Order 66? Hmm? It was your master, Villaba, who laid down her life for yours. Do you remember her last word to you, her last and final breath before she died? You do. Don't you? You see it in your sleep. You'll hear her voice when you wake. Tell me, Jedi, what was her last word to you? Run. And does your loyal and precious crew know you ran as your master
1: fell, abandoned her and the Jedi Order when they needed you most? But there she is. and She was clearly really smart, really mature, doing her job at the highest level at sacrifice to herself and looking out for these men who turn on her they spent all of two minutes with her in in dialogue maybe that's and that's that's all you needed, i guess to, yeah to establish connection
0: and that's just another great moment you talked about just feeling for the for the troopers and i think you really get to see that where it's it's suddenly they just turn and they don't really know why and there's no explanation and i think it's hunter who says these are people we've served alongside of for years and years and years. And, and now we're just, we're just doing this and it it, mm-hmm. it is unfair. That's uh, it, it is unfair for everybody. And you, and you feel for, you feel for even the troopers that are doing it because they, they can't, they they've lost all their autonomy.
1: Yep. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point in the binge. <laughs> there is something about many wars, if not most wars that is, the dehumanization of the soldier, of placing them in in spaces where they have to carry out terrible objectives, and that's not not just my country or your country. I mean, those are all wars at all times. Yeah, They're, like we can we can judge how the Roman Empire commands Roman soldiers to do this brutal thing, and that's dehumanizing to the soldier, mm-hmm. not just to the victims of their their works, their violence, just spot on right here
0: yeah done very well and so simply that's I feel like that's one of the things we keep coming back to is just the this is only a 75 minute episode and they're able to achieve these things so quickly and so well yeah. in, in in doing so little
1: yeah it's it is one of the great elements and we're seeing this with Marvel as well right now when you have built a universe with solid pillars and real emotional, Connections with your audience, you can just put people into that universe and and start things fairly fast. Yeah, and then you're moving, and everybody's just with you. You didn't have to tell them, oh, by the way, this is how the world works.
0: Right. Yes, we, we already know, and we're already interested. And the things that maybe you're not going to explain to us right away, they're done in a way that feels like. Please continue viewing our story, as opposed to yes. we just threw this in here and we didn't really have an explanation for it. And all of a sudden, Martha Wayne is Martian Manhunter. Wait, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> all right, what's your number one? My number one is I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. My, I just wrote down the character of Hunter. That's my number one as ah, well. Perfect. I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's. Let's talk about it. And and literally, all I wrote is like. New favorite Star Wars character? Question mark. Yeah. Um, there's just there's something about this character, and it's um, his his willingness to question Order sixty six. His, his willingness to kind of say, you know, this doesn't begin to explain things just because just because they're orders, and just that's because we're what we're told. Why are we gonna do this? Because it just feels wrong. Like it just it just seems like you have a character who's clearly a hunter, a super soldier. Who also just has a lot of heart and and just goodness.
1: Yeah, great films need a movie star sometimes, and I didn't really, I I went in this whole time thinking this, this is a team, this is a team, this is a team, which it is. But they have a movie star. Is is what hit me. This is a unique character. He's mm-hmm. kind of similar to Dinjarin. I think. I mean, you might be able to make some some comparisons. But I think Hunter ends up just being a unique character. I can't think of anyone else in Star Wars that is this guy. Maybe similar to Rex, but I imagine we're going to see the contrast here real soon.
0: I thought the same thing actually. In, in watching, it. I was like, I, I wrote down there's there's some Rex qualities in him, just in Rex's loyalty to Ahsoka and how much he clearly cares for her, and that mm-hmm. balance of like I've been literally created to be a soldier my entire life. And now I'm, now I'm uncertain with what to do uh, with the war around me, either ending or being fought in a way that I feel like is not honorable.
1: We haven't gotten to see this character in the binge yet, but Hunter, I think might be the doppelganger of Thrawn. They are real similar in my mind, both highly observant. That apparently is his superpower. And that's who Thrawn is. Thrawn is, I understand everything that's going on and I'm playing a chess match. And I got that sense with Hunter that he understands everything that's going on, very empirical, definitely a tacticianer, is leading his crew, really needs to utilize his crew in order to survive. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make these two foils for each other.
0: That'd be super interesting.
1: But I suppose it's the case that, you know, another tacticianer who is clearly in this show, you know, is Tarkin. Yeah. And maybe a different kind of foil there. Yeah. Boom. I'm glad that that hit you because that was unexpected for me. Same. Yeah. Let's talk about the chessboard. eh? Let's do it. We had talked about this in our pregame for the Bad Batch, that there are all kinds of characters who we've already been introduced to that we care about who are out there in this galaxy far, far away, and their stories matter. And they have, you know, lots to add if, you know, if they come into contact with the story that they're telling through the Bad Batch, and a handful of them obviously got brought in. We already talked about Kanan Jarrus and Depa Billaba, who they brought in. We talked a little bit about the – well, actually, let's pause there. Was there anything else worth saying about Kanan and uh, – that is here he's he's Caleb doom he changes his name later um Caleb doom is the young Jedi at the beginning of the show anything anything worth else worth saying about these two
0: i will be i will be very interested when we get into rebels to see him yeah having seen him as a kid first and, and already as a kid he's clearly very he's brave and he's he's yep. tough and he's he's got a very developed sense of justice clearly and right and wrong and um, but also clearly skilled he's a little kid he jumps across the ravine to to safety yep. so so clearly worth paying attention to obviously if you if you reverse engineer the story the way I'm doing it they're like oh pay attention to that kid he could be somebody because he
1: is because he is. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring him back in they I think really wanted to establish the connection between he and wrecker. At one moment, like Wrecker has an emotional connection with yeah. him, where he's like, "I really like this kid," and so I, I don't think there's any reason to sleep on on him. I bet you they might come back around, especially if it's the case. Especially if it's the case that Crosshair feels like it's his duty to go kill that Jedi,
0: or if you flip it, if it's if it's if he feels like it's his duty to go kill these clones.
1: Ooh. Gosh, I like that. <laughs> the, get, and everybody's hunting everybody. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: The, another set of characters, they're on the chessboard are the Khameneans. And there is a clear difference. I, I loved this move. It was real subtle at the end of the episode where the, the female shows that she actually cares about Omega. And there's there's a disconnect between those two. They're so sterile most of the time and they're so they're heartlessly proper Yeah, through nearly every story. And she showcases just a tinge of heart.
0: And even him, when she comes in at the end and is like, there was a problem and she got away and whatever, and, and his willingness to say, and maybe I'm misreading it, but his willingness to kind of be like, well, why don't we just kind of keep that close to the vest? Yeah. <laughs> right. To just look aside from it.
1: Yep. A third character. That's on the chessboard which who we knew was going to appear as Tarkin. Yeah. Um he was part of all the promotion. They did a novel on Tarkin. The Tarkin appears a handful of times in the Clone Wars, which we're going to cover those episodes in the binge. And obviously Tarkin is a huge character in New Hope. Wait, any any fresh thoughts on uh that we didn't already talk about in terms of what this character brings to this show?
0: My initial thought as I was watching thinking about Tarkin and, and and watching this was like, oh, this is so many of these guys in Star Wars just feel like older men who are in high ranking positions in the military who have mm-hmm. been there for forever. And, and they're basically like they punch in, they punch out, they go home. This isn't whatever. And maybe because of his age, I'm not sure. It's very easy for me to think that about Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Until you realize, I think TJ pointed this out on one of the episodes he joined us where he said, this is the guy who can tell Darth Vader what to do. And, and Darth Vader <laughs> right. backs down from it. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, fine, but I'll get you one day. Yep. It's like Vader is quick to mind Tarkin. And I'm yeah. very excited to see, I love Peter Cushing's, the actor who played him in the film. I think he's a great, great British actor, but I'm very interested to see what they can do with a younger version of the character to, in the same way I've talked about Boba Fett and Darth Maul and some of these other characters who we didn't get to see do a ton in the films, but we know there's some weighty history there. I'm really excited to see Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, show us why the word grand is in his name. You know what I mean? Like just to, yeah. to, to, to kind of bring, cause he's clearly
1: evil. Look at his hair. I suppose the movie I didn't mention and who he, appear, he appears in a lot of it is Rogue One. And we get to see how deaf he is at being a politician in this structure. Yeah. He is a, this is a dude who's just made for
0: advancement yeah. in, in the Empire. Ruthless advancement too. Like it's it's There's a lot there.
1: Yeah, there you go. Last character. No, there's two more that I got. A character that we haven't seen in the binge yet because... He only appears in season six. Is one AZI three? Who is the medical droid? Different kind of droid humor going on with this character.
0: Yeah, very.
1: Got got some buffoonery going on.
0: He he reminded me of like a like a David Ogden Steers character in Mash, or even as, him as the voice of Cogsworth in in Beauty and the Beast. Just ah, sure, kind of sweet and good natured and bumbling.
1: Yep for me cuz he's part of a very important arc mm-hmm. in season 6 when they killed this droid I assume he got killed he I don't know if he got the the zap that came out was um was a stun zap it was the blue circle but he looked like he died
0: yeah he looked pre- he looked pretty still
1: that was shocking to me cuz smoke's coming up cuz he's the comic relief comic relief comic relief bang and you're like oh <laughs> and, and especially cause it wasn't just a character that you were introduced to for two minutes and then they killed him off. This character was actually fairly primary and in, in a, in a very important arc and here they kill him off. And uh, <laughs> I think it's one that's a great move cause they might not be coming back to Camino. Right. And so you don't, you don't need to hold on to him. Like he's, he's definitely expendable. But, man, that's a great use of a chess piece, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Well, especially because the last thing we saw him do was exhibit a lot of joy and excitement about doing something and, and yes. to, to just further play into our continual political platform on this <laughs> podcast. Droids are people. They have feelings.
1: It's because they're not actual human beings that the show creators can be really violent towards droids, and we feel it emotionally, but it's but it's different than like a kid game shot or something.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: The last chess piece, and we didn't mention this in the pregame, and I kick myself, is John Williams' music. I know.
0: Galactic Empire. For a safe and secure society.
1: Still don't think the Reds are programmed. There was a point real early on, and they they cue and drop the Imperial March, and I was like, "Gah! Here we are. We're home. We're home, baby."
0: (laughs) And and even using Ian McDermott's audio as Palpatine. Yeah. uh, It was. It was like. Oh, you just because he's so good, you know, vocally his his performance, and then yeah, coupling it with that John Williams music, it was just like I felt the dread. Just just sitting watching it, and I was like, oh no, it's happened. It's happened.
1: <laughs> it's happened.
0: Speaking of chess pieces, if if unless you had more yeah. to say on the John Williams music, I don't no, know. do it. We do also briefly get to see one other character we've seen before. Remind me. We we see Saw Gerrera.
1: Oh yeah. I didn't write, talk about it.
0: I thought that was, I know we had talked about him in our, in our predictions episode. Mm-hmm. And, and in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, it's feasible that he could show up sometime. Did not expect him to show up in episode one of the series. But, oh, there he is. Yeah. Um, kind of a pre battle fatigued Saw Guerrera. And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the first person to really say the phrase, now it's a civil war.
1: Yep, yep. Early adopter. Yeah. The thing about Guerrera here, and perhaps in Rogue One as well, is he understands so much. May not be a trustworthy person, but he certainly gets it. Yeah. Lots of Vietnam in that scene. They're in the jungle. You know, it's it's almost like there's uh these civilians that are part of the movement. And I felt I found that unsettling.
0: Yes, I know. The the minute you see elderly women and children. Yeah. And with that mission even too. That's that's when I think you really know and that's when for for almost all of the batch they go you see that be the breaking point from them of them realizing this is wrong. Right. This is what are we yep. doing? What are what have we been asked to do?
1: Yeah, that's good. We're going to see a lot more of Saul Guerrero. Both in the binge, he he appears both in Rebels and in Clone Wars, and and there's worthy stuff there, and a lot of foundational stuff, because um, he he talks about losing people in his life and how that's affecting his choices and how difficult it is, and uh, and we'll we'll get a chance to see all that. Oh, great! One last. Little bit, just speaking of the music, I suppose to circle back, was I didn't realize how much I had internalized the Bad Batch theme in season seven of the Clone Wars. When they brought it into play here as kind of a hero medley, you know, when when these five characters are really doing their thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it gets elevated. Uh, man, my heart just kind of soared the way that I would with the Lord of the Rings theme, the fellowship theme. Yeah. Or, or even the, the force theme.
0: Yeah, no, totally. It, it with,
1: It's the Avengers theme. That's what, uh, you know, when, when that kicks in, I know exactly. Like,
0: oh. <laughs> it, uh, d- just briefly to speak on that, I, I got to go to, um, for, for the 80 years of Marvel, there's a big touring exhibit that gets done, and, and throughout most of it, in different places of it, the Avengers theme plays. And I had the most <laughs> like visceral reaction in this museum the minute you walk in and yeah. hear that Avengers main theme, where you're just like, oh, oh, this is going to be good.
1: Top five moment in, a, in the MCU for me is uh, almost entirely the work of the Marvel theme. Or the uh, Avengers theme, when Captain America steps out of the shadows at the beginning of Infinity War, and the Avengers theme kicks in, uh, just gives me tingles.
0: The the theater that when I when my brother and I went and saw that, the theater that we were in erupted. Yeah. Much as it Seriously. did, you know, much as it did in Endgame when. T'Challa and everybody are the first group of people to come out of the come out of the portals and and and, and then yep. on from there and that and then to ending with Captain America summoning the hammer and saying Avengers Assemble and the music blasts as well there too. You're just like,
1: <gasps> those are such a delight to go to on YouTube. Yep. People who had been filming the first showings and it's not <laughs> they're filming it because they want to show the bootleg to their pal, but now they're uploading it because notice the reaction of this crowd
0: Well, they used it in the Marvel just put out that phase Four teaser. Yeah. Um, yesterday I believe. And, uh, and there's, I a, sure
1: didn't cry five times. through that. Oh
0: yeah. Me neither. Me neither. I was just stone, <laughs> just stone just cold eye. through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, cause the music that they play and Stan Lee's voiceover of him talking about, yep. you know, like that woman over there is your sister. That person over there is your, br-. but, uh, family. Yeah. When they get to the moment where they show the footage from the opening night of Endgame, man, that's when it really hit me because you're just like, "Wow!" This oh yeah, is, that's right. That's in there.
1: That was I've totally forgot about that. that that's why it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Right now.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Oh no, no, that was just it. Just, just, you just much. see how much it, that that those those elements of storytelling mean to people. It just it's cool. So true. All right, you got any
1: predictions moving forward? We'll get to our crystal ball section here to close. Yeah.
0: Not too many. I guess they're more questions than predictions, but I guess I can phrase them in a way that sounds predictive. I'm very curious to know who they're going to see, Mm -hmm. who they're going to find. And my two thoughts, I know they know Rex, and part of me wonders if they're going to find him Mm -hmm. or if they're going to find Cut Laquane because... I don't actually have any reason for thinking that other than I would really like to see that character again. Cause that's, that's also such an interesting, um, that's also such an interesting piece.
1: That was the, yeah, the, you may have looked this up like I did, <laughs> but the Easter egg there at the end of saying, this is where we're headed. We're headed to J 19. Oh, did you go Laos. look?
0: I didn't. Uh, oh, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. did.
1: Was that your, was that seriously your guess? Yeah you're so you're just on point because <laughs> okay so dear listener we just did our deep dive into the deserter episode in the clone wars which uh has a character named Cut Le quain who is as as you can tell a deserter from the grand army of the republic say it were the case that rex was on the run say it was the case that rex knew nowhere else to go and needed one friend who <laughs> kinda owed him and and could actually take care of him and his friends, Cut Laquane is a great option. He has been he knows exactly where Cut is. He's been hiding from the Republic for years. Yeah. And there you
0: go. I guess I didn't I didn't even think about the possibility of Rex being with him as well. I I, I had thought of him as a one or the other thing. Rex just because I know that the Bad Batch has worked with Rex and kind of seen his yeah. his, his character, and then th- I thought of Cut only because I was like, "Well, who else has opted out of this thing?" Yeah, like they're about to do. Th- th- so those were my only two. Those were my only two real predictions for that. I, I'm, I'm very excited to see. I guess you could also go further and predict say, "Well, they've met Saw Guerrera, and know there's about to be this civil war." So I wonder if they become your sort mm-hmm. of suicide squad esque thing for the for the civil war side of the republic where it's like, all right, go break into that base.
1: Yep. Yeah. I got thoughts on Saw here in a second, but the, the only reason I bring up Rex is because he was in the trailer. So if you have Rex in the trailer
0: Oh, that's right.
1: And you're like, well, how are they how are they gonna come into contact with each other? I suppose that was where my mind was going.
0: I, I totally forgot about that.
1: In theory and this this will be exciting for for those of us who love the character. Um, last time we saw Rex, he was with Ahsoka, and and so there there may be, unless they have somehow split up, and they need to tell that story. Mm-hmm. There 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 will be a split up at some point, um, from what we know in Rebels. So, so that's going to be part of the story, mm-hmm. but they didn't get a chance to tell it yet. They were together last time we saw them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's right. That'll be interesting. So, bang.
1: Here's my theory on Saul Guerrero. You'll know this from the first season of The Mandalorian. They they show you those Mandalorian who are underneath yeah. the city. They're in the sewers, you know? And they kind of just, they show you that they're there. And then a couple episodes later, there's deep peril. You know, Dinjarin's not getting out. And then all of a sudden, those dudes come flying in. Yeah. epic scene. That I think that is my favorite scene right now, with the exception of Grogu stopping the fire, the in the Mandalorian. I just love that scene, mm-hmm. uh, the music and everything of him being rescued um, by people who don't like him, but they are followers of the way. This it's, is the way. It's just beautiful. Agreed. I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're doing with Sal Guerrera is they they're showing you that he's there. They're showing you he has power. They're showing you that. They're they're now they they acknowledge they're on the same team, and don't be surprised that in a couple episodes, when uh, the bad batch is in one of those situations, they just can't get out of. <laughs> here comes Saul and his pals, yeah. to save the day.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Bang! You got any more uh, any more prognostications? <laughs> no, that's that's kind of it, really. The only other one that I had, and it was a great plant was that Omega was called a medical assistant.
0: What are you doing on Camino, kid? Her job, of course. She is my medical assistant. One with a curious mind that causes her to wander.
1: Right up front. And I think that's, you need to know that because she is going to be the primary one who's able to take out inhibitor chips. And they just planted that. Ooh. And it's there, and they didn't even focus on it at all. But- because she's a medical assistant, she has is very familiar, I assume, with clone anatomy. And she's going to be the key to getting these chips out if they decide to go down that road oh, man. of saving clones.
0: I didn't even think about that. That's incredible. Come on. That was a good one, huh? I would love that.
1: The other one that I loved, this is just, uh, this is just about Omega. It's, it doesn't re- reference anything else, but she picks up the blaster and shoots... Uh, crosshair twice and Hunter says impressive shot back there where'd you learn to do that
0: I don't know I never fired a blaster before I guess I got lucky
1: one as we know there's no such thing as luck in Star Wars but the I hear uh, fives yelling at the recruits
0: look around we're one and the same same heart same blood your training is in your blood, and my blood's boiling for a fight.
1: Last, Here's my last prognostication. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they held off most of the main characters from this season. I think they'll have three or four arcs, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to just save everybody and just let you really sit with these characters. I imagine Crosshair will get redeemed at some point as a... That, that seems like that would be likely because he'll be hunting them and that'll be a big part of the story. But that's going to build the connection we have with the characters, their care for each other, yeah, I'm sure is going to come out. And uh, that's a great way to start, shoot, to start this new series.
0: Yeah, no, this was, this was an excellent first episode and an excellent yeah. first dive into this world. And it, it was... I'd have to go back and re-listen to our predictions episode, but I feel like a lot of the things we said we hoped to see. Yeah. I I feel like we got to see.
1: Yeah, true. Oh, there was one last... Here's one last prognostication, but I don't know how they're going to do this, but eventually they're going to have to start killing off clones, and they're going to have to start bringing in stormtroopers. I don't know what that looks like, but I imagine that's both going to be heartbreaking and it'll be really important part of their their story, you know. Yeah.
0: And well, and the I mean the the groundwork for that has already kind of been laid in Tarkin saying, "We don't need any more of these clones. We can do it with recruiting soldiers."
1: Mm-hmm. Fascism and genocide go together often.
0: Yes, like like the world's <laughs> the the most lethal peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's how they go together.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's just uh, that's that's where the path leads, my friend. That's why you oppose autocrats from the beginning. And when they ask you for loyalty, you can you can say something from the R two D two catalog of responses. <laughs> loyalty tests, brother. All right. <laughs> well, we'll pick this up if uh, if this works and people listen to it. And if you are listening to this, hit us up on Twitter on your thoughts. We need to know whether or not response uh, response. Podcasts of this sort are worthwhile, so let us know.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. We're easy to
1: find on Twitter at Star Wars Binge. <laughs> you got anything before we go?
0: Uh, no, just just uh, just that I'm really excited. I, I'm I'm just excited for new stories in the Star Wars universe.
1: Truth, truth. Um, friends, it would mean the world to us if you gave us some stars on iTunes. If you would subscribe on any platform that you choose. If, uh, but. The biggest, best thing you could do is just share this with a person that you care about, with just one person. Send it to one person you care about. That means the world to us, and it's really the only way that podcasts like ours get any traction at all. So if you enjoyed this, help us out. Otherwise, that's why I got. You got anything else? I guess I already asked that, didn't I? (laughs) Even less now. (laughs) He's Daniel Mothershed.
0: Your training is in your blood. I was about to be like, That's all I got on my sheet. I wasn't sure what was happening, and I was about to be like, And he's Jeff Cook? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Jeff Cook. I never fired a blaster before.
1: (laughs) Sometimes you don't prep very well, but sometimes you're supposed to. And you want to know why, Daniel?
0: Because this is the way?
1: This is the way. Because this is the way. They're different.
0: Also, to be fair, this came out this morning, so I think we're doing pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> All
1: right, good. Only an hour 20. I'll, I'll be able to cut that Perfect. down pretty quick. Is that it? Holy crap, yeah.